Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this month's Farport story. This time, I have a special guest with me uh, this evening, and his name is Mr. Igma Yazee, or as some of you might know of him in real life, Wesley. How you doing tonight, Wesley? Howdy, folks. I'm doing great. Uh, excited. Um, we've been talking a little bit about this, and... Um, I just, it, our stories are so much fun, uh, so really looking forward to it. So just to give everybody uh, a bit of a a time period that this is taking place in, and just to let you know, Wesley, I'm probably going to ramble. I apologize in advance. Uh, <laughs> so if you guys recall, Igmut was asked by the FIA to serve as a guide for Fox Mulder and Tom DeWeese. And right now, we are about a week prior to Igmut arriving in Kensington and meeting with our FIA agents. And so that's kind of to give you an idea of when this is taking place. And um, the where is actually along a mountain pass leading west from Fillmore's Crossing in a town called Two Rivers. And... There are two, I would, he, I would be hesitant to call them rivers. They're more mountain streams that uh, happen to intersect and kind of pond in the center of this town. Mostly it seems like uh, Two Rivers consists of a lot of lumber uh, industry. Uh, there are quite a few mills that are turned with the uh, power of these, of these small but very quick-moving stream currents. And Wes, or sorry, Wesley, Igmit, you find yourself at, <laughs> and Igmit, you find yourself at a small tavern called the Last Chance Watering Hole. Right. And as you well know, this is the last place that you can stop and get a drink and have safe lodging for the night between here and Fillmore's Crossing, which is another, at least a day and a half, two days ride if you ride hard. Maybe three if you uh, if you take it easy or have any sort of uh, setbacks. Um, and there's there's a piano playing in uh, in in the corner of this uh, of this tavern. It's maybe it's maybe forty feet by fifty feet. It's not a huge building. It's three stories. You've stayed in these uh, in these rooms before. They're very Spartan. They're they're basically just a straw bed and uh, and a small chest to store your uh, your goods in. But I mean, you'd have to provide your own lock. Even the doors don't even come with a lock. You know, they're just they're just held over with a with a latch. And there's a there's a two by four that you can you know set in there uh, once you're once you're asleep for the night. But you know, given how rickety a lot of this construction is, you don't you don't find yourself super confident in in leaving goods off of your person when mm. being out in this area. You also, uh, right now, you're currently uh, you're currently sitting at a table. Like I said, there's piano playing in the background. Um, there's a a grizzled old man with one eye and long, thick mutton chops um, kind of enshrouding his face and he's 
glaring um, around the bar very nervously with his uh, with his one eye. He knows that uh, that at any time things could get quite rowdy in this neighbor in this area in this neighborhood. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're currently uh, playing playing with uh, two other people. Uh, one of one of them is an older gentleman. Uh, he's introduced himself as Ansel, and you actually you actually have recognized him. You've never really had a very long conversation with him, but you do know that he owns um, he owns a, a cattle ranch uh, just a bit west of the uh, of the mountains in the Deadlands. And so you uh, you recognize uh, Mr. Ansel Adams? <laughs> I I knew that you'd get that. I don't think that many other people will. But uh, he just he just thoroughly enjoys the wilderness, and so every once in a while he has to take a take a trip in so that he can see some trees, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, also the uh, the other. Uh, feller that you've been playing with uh, he walks with a limp wears a, a large black wide brimmed hat and a dark brown bl- a duster with a plaid vest and he speaks with a funny accent you, you haven't caught his name uh, he's mostly just been, just been saying uh, his bids and fold and that's been the gist of, uh, of the talking out of this character there's a few other patrons in the bar. There's uh, a middle-aged woman who is going around taking orders and bussing tables and things like that. And uh, what, would you, what would you like to do, Igman? I'd like to play cards for a minute and uh, get to know um, the other fellow I'm playing with besides Mr. Adams. Mr. Adams? How many head of cattle you you have out there? I'd reckon I'd reckon somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand, give or take. All right. Obviously, if any predators find their way around there, right. it can be less. I see. I've been having a bit of an issue with uh, with rock guts oh. going and. Slaughtering, slaughtering calves and just leaving the entrails, but you can tell by the large tracks uh, with no shooting. They, they are a problem. You, you believe I know that? <laughs> um. Oh no, sir. I was trying to make no offense towards you or your kinfolk. Obviously, I judge a man by his actions and his character. Well, thank you, sir. And and you, sir. I, I didn't catch your name. Referring to the other gentleman. It's because I didn't give it, eh? And where are you from? I never heard a voice like that before. Up north. I see. You sure know how to play cards there, northern feller. Been playing since I was a kid. But, uh... Excuse me for a moment, dear feller. I gotta... I gotta go and drain the old hose. And he stands up and you, when he gets up, you can see that there is a red sash around his waist. And um, his limp is very obvious as he uh, starts making his way towards the, 
towards the swinging doors of the bar. As he's passing out, um, maybe 10 to 15 seconds after that, um, another fellow walks in and he also has a red sash on. And he's wearing, um, he's wearing an English bowler style hat um, with a white leather vest and uh, white leather chaps and uh, he has a waxed mustache into a, into a curl at either end of his lips. And he's carrying two revolvers. Howdy, sir. He like puts his foot up onto um, a chair and does kind of like that Captain Morgan pose and says, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Joseph Moore. If you have not heard of me, well, you're about to be introduced. This here is a robbery. So I would appreciate it. And you see him, he pulls out one of his, uh, one of his six shooters and he starts to point it around and a bunch of people are like, wait, what? And he continues, this here is a robbery. I would, it would do you greatly to put all your valuables into this here bag. And he tosses a leather sack into the middle of the room and then continues to point his gun around. You're mighty confident, aren't you there, feller? And I stand up at the table. He swings his gun over and points it directly at your chest, and he says, It would do well to sit you da yourself down, Master Half-Orc. I am not here to play games. Joseph Moore and his gang are very serious criminals. Serious, huh? Well, you come in here dressed up like a Sunday chicken, asking for people to just hand over their money. You're outgunned, and then some. I don't know how I feel about just handing over my gold to some fancy man. Well, this is unexpected to say the least. Does everyone else concur with our half-orc friend? And uh, Ansel actually, uh, Ansel actually stands up and he says, "Well, yeah," and. Uh, Joe trains his gun on him, pulls the trigger, and immediately um, a shower of blood kind of spatters over you. Uh, it takes a second for you to even realize that a gunshot has gone off. You son of a bitch. And, uh, and you see Ansel is laying on the ground, clutching at his chest as he's got a large bullet wound uh, near center mass. Now, I said I was not playing around. Please... Put all of your valuables into the bag before more bad things start to happen. All right. Um, I'm going to reach down to my belt where I have a pouch of gold, but I also have one of my tomahawks right next to it. Um, and um, I reach. I, I, I'm watching his reaction, um, but instead of grabbing the gold, I grab the tomahawk. And um, I want to. Why don't you give me a sleight of hand check? Okay. And, whoop! Oh shit! I just lost my die. Okay. Thirteen. Okay, so you start to uh, you start to reach towards your belt, and you hear the hammer of his uh, pistol click back again into the primed position. And he points it again at your uh, chest and pulls out the other gun and starts 
starts doing a sweeping motion at the rest of the bar. And he says, Now I would not do that if I were you, friend. Mr. Adams didn't even draw on you, you chicken shit. Well, I don't know if you noticed what the difference between Mr. Adams and myself is, but I am not currently gasping for air on the ground. So it would seem that your honor is misplaced. And uh, just as uh, he says that, a couple of more, a couple more figures burst into into the tavern. Three, uh, two more to be exact. One of them has a very distinct limp and a red and black uh, plaid vest on. But now uh, there is there's like a bandana pulled up over his nose, and so you can just see his eyes. And the other uh, the other gentleman also has has a bandana a red bandana over his over his nose and uh, you can hear now though you can hear that there there's hoof uh, there's sounds of hoof falls going on outside of the bar and you don't think that it's just them I see they're they likely have enforcements outside um you you think so at this point yeah I'll uh, I'll toss I'll toss in my bag of coins and say you got me this time and uh, I I throw I, I set my hands down on the poker table so you're watching them go through and uh, and you see Joe he actually has moved from being kind of propped up on this chair and now he's standing on top of uh, on top of one of the tables that's kind of in the center of the room and he's slowly just spinning in a circle, just keeping an eye on everything. And uh, you see the man with the limp and the other man are currently uh, are currently moving their way through the bar with that uh, with that leather satchel, and they're they're just holding it out in front of people, and people are dumping their valuables into it. And uh, you're you're basically just watching and waiting for them to make a mistake. And after maybe two or three minutes um one of uh one of the women that was uh sitting at the bar chatting with uh chatting with the bartender she had she seems to be unwilling to give up uh to give up like her necklace or her brooch or something like that and so it doesn't seem as though the man with the limp and his partner are really willing to do anything about it. And so Joe Moore like jumps off of the off of the table and he starts to march over there and he's got both of his guns pointed directly at this woman and his attention is off of you for at least a small portion of time. Well, if he's distracted then uh can I make another sleight of hand check and and try and and subtly pull out my my tomahawk? Oh, absolutely. 20 dirty 20 oh yeah so you're reaching and you can see uh the guy behind the guy behind the bar is like nodding at you just ever so slightly um he's kind of like leading his eye towards the uh towards the windows at the front like maybe like he's trying to get you to notice something all right uh yeah i i, I follow the man's uh implication and look out the window Make me a perception check. Twelve. 
So you can see that, uh, you know that that, you know that, uh, that look that firelight gets when it's reflecting through, through glass and it kind of just creates that, that weird kind of prismatic effect every once in a while, especially when the fire is moving at, uh, at a fairly, fairly constant rate. You think that there, you can, you can tell that there are, there are definitely people out there and they're carrying torches and they're on horseback. Just, just judging by the angle of the, uh, of the firelight. I, uh, I draw my, my tomahawk and, um, throw it across the room, uh, trying to, uh, create chaos. Not at Joe Moore, but at one of his associates. Okay. Um, which one? Limpy or the other one? Um, let's go with Limpy. Okay. Go ahead and, uh, go ahead and roll me a, uh, an attack roll. And then we're going to go into initiative after this, just so you know. Six. Ooh. Overall? Um, oh, excuse me. Twelve. Okay, so you can actually take advantage just because you have the drop on them. So go ahead and uh, re-roll, take right. the higher result. All right, that's, that's more like it. That's a uh, 27. All right, go ahead and roll damage. Sixteen. Okay, so Joe Moore is—he's stomping his way over there, and he's like, "Now, Madame, what did I say about funny business? You, do you really, do you really desire to get hurt this very end?" As he's about to finish this sentence, you release your tomahawk and it starts to spin end over end. You can hear it, you can hear the sound of it cutting through the air and it just makes a meaty wet thwack as it connects squarely in between the, sh- the shoulder blades of the limping man. And he turns around and his eyes are wide with shock. And he goes, we got trouble here, eh, Joe? And immediately, uh, the man with the limp starts running towards the, uh, towards the side wall. So this would be, if you're facing, like if you're walking into the bar and you're facing towards the bar, he's running to the left, uh, towards the wall, uh, towards one of those windows. And let's everybody roll initiative. All right. <laughs> Two. Oh my God. Did you add your bonus to that, by the way, Wesley? Oh. It'll be your initiative modifier. Oh, you okay. All right. Um, oh, so, pl- all right. So that brings me up to, to six. My inif- initiative is plus four. So that's super important, though, because I rolled for the, uh, I rolled for the banditos outside as a group, and they got a three, which puts them as five, so at least you're going before True. that. Um, (laughs) all right. So you release your tomahawk and as soon as you do that, and as soon as, or sorry, not as soon as you do that, as soon as Limpy bursts into some blood and shouts towards Joe Moore, Joe Moore pulls the trigger or on both of his guns directly into this woman. And she screams and showers and 
gore and falls limply to the ground and he spins around and says, Now that wasn't very nice, Mr. Half-Orc. Now was it? And uh, his turn is over. That's going to move us over to Limpy, who actually dives out the window. And you see him... You see him pop up and he actually looks a little bit more bloody than he did before. Parts of his jacket and duster are torn. And his jacket and duster are the same thing. Uh, I should get better with words. But yeah, you see him pop up on the other side of the window and he starts to to limp away as fast as he uh, as fast as he can towards the front of the building. And then that brings us to you, Igma. What do you want to do? So currently, you are about 25 feet away from Joe Moore and his compatriot. And you've got, um, so like if you go the way that the crow flies, you've got exactly two tables in your way. And all of these tables have about four chairs around them, give or take one. And so, uh, and they're like right next to the bar, which is about five to seven feet away from the, the back wall of the building. And there's a stairwell in the corner kind of off where, kind of over by where they're at as well. All right. Well, um... I definitely, I, I need to run for cover, um, so uh, if I can make... You could a, always flip a table. That's true. Actually, I think I'm going to maybe make a mat. Now, just to mention, there are, there are, ba- there are posts that hold up this building, like large, you know, uh, like two foot by two foot, um, just huge pieces of wood that hold up the the second floor. So, I mean, you could technically hide behind those, but part of your body would still be kind of uh, hanging out if that's something that you'd be interested in. There's four of them around, like in basically creating a smaller square inside of the square that is the bar. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Okay. I think I'd like to try and run and make an athletics check to see if I can jump behind the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, get a little bit closer to them. Yeah, you can do that. Yes. So, um, you can do either athletics or acrobatics, whichever you would prefer. I'm cool with either. Okay. Um, I have a slight advantage on athletics, so I'll, I'll make that. All right. So, uh, that's a 23. Okay. Immediately after gunshots start to go off, your instincts kick in. Your legs immediately start to carry you towards the bar. You pump your arms as fast as you can your muscles and sinew get tense and you just leap over without even planting a hand on this bar and you kind of lay yourself out flat a little bit to get yourself that extra bit of verticality to get over it and then twist yourself and land in a crouched position ready to uh, take action is that my only action for the turn? Is that, or, or could I try and, and draw a weapon? You can you can draw a weapon, and I'd even let you shoot it, but I am going to give you a disadvantage on the shot. Okay, all right. Yeah, the, I'll, I'll draw my scattergun from my back, um, and uh, let's, I'll roll for disadvantage. Okay. Who are you shooting at? I'm going to shoot at Joe. I'm definitely going to shoot at Joe. 11, okay. 4, 6. So, yeah. What is the what is the attack roll? The lower one was 11. The higher one was 13. Okay, so what do you add to that? Seven. So an 18 overall? Yeah. That'll hit. That will hit. Yes, sir. All right. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely shoot at Joe. Go ahead and roll damage. 24. 
Okay. You hit the ground in your crouched position, immediately reach onto your back and pull out your scatter gun. You pop up from behind the bar, pull the trigger, and it erupts out of smoke. And when it clears, you can see that that Joe's arm is incredibly mangled. One of his uh one of his guns, he drops it onto the onto the ground. When uh when you finish doing that, however, as soon as uh as soon as you finish shooting and uh Joe kind of screams out in pain, the entire the only thing that you can hear is gunshots. And the entire bar starts to explode in shrapnel. And you're very confused by this because it seems as though maybe all of the people that are on horseback outside of the bar are now firing into the bar where Joe Moore is currently still standing, but you're not about to question it because things are popping off. High or low? High or low? Uh, let's go high. Oh man, I really wish you would have said low. I rolled a 99 on my percentile dice, which is really uncommon. So, so let me make an attack roll against you. Oh no, you're good. I was going to say one of those random bullets hit you, but they didn't. So then that brings us to Joe Moore, who is, he's current, he's actually, uh, he's going to take that bag that, uh, from his compatriot and he throws it over his shoulder and then raises his good arm with the pistol back up again. And he's going to take a shot at you. Oh, wow. Um, Okay, that is going to hit. All right, so you're going to take 14 points of piercing damage. Okay. As one of his bullets rips through um it rips through the the skin on the side of your uh on the side of your torso. It doesn't hit anything vital, mm-hmm. but it just hurts like the dickens and is bleeding pretty good at this point. All right. Um then that brings us to the limpy guy who you can't see anymore, so you don't know what he's doing. And then that's back around to you, Igmet. Just to give you kind of a lay of the land, Joe Moore and his bandito, they're basically backing their way out of the uh, out of the tavern. And they've probably only got another five or ten feet to go before they're going to be out the door. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, up to you as to what you'd like to do. I, I try and uh, stay behind... Uh, I um, hide behind the bar, um, but uh, try and get a... I, I peek up over and watch them and, and try and take another shot. This time not for... Not at Joe, but at um, one of his one of his bandits. Okay, why don't you go and roll me in attack roll? So, uh, that's 12. Overall? Yes. That's a miss. You fire your uh, you fire your scatter gun, and they're they're not super far away, but the pattern of the BBs at this distance, if you're not spot on, mm. it's very hard to do da- damage with your scatter gun, as you well know. You've been using this tool for years. You you probably didn't expect that it was going to do a ton of damage. It was more just like a like a covering fire thing. Like, hey, I still got ammunition over here, so you guys should probably keep backing off. Yeah. And uh, you hear one of the panes of glass in the front windows that uh, was still together. It shatters as one of these torches lands inside of the bar. A few more start to clatter on the ground um, as they start to get tossed 
into the building. Um, it doesn't look like they're starting to really catch fire yet, but relatively quickly, this could turn very, very bad. And so that brings us to Joe Moore, who is, he's just firing his gun as much as possible. Like he's just fan firing and he doesn't, he doesn't hit you at all. Um, you're currently, you know, kind of crouched down behind the bar and you can see shrapnel is exploding around your figure, but he just doesn't seem to have a bead on you or he's just shooting too much lead at once. You're not really sure, but either way, you're, uh, you're thanking Ernie that, uh, that nothing's hitting you. That will, uh, that will lead to another torch getting thrown into the bar. And then that's you, Igmet. What do you want to do? So Joe Moore, you can still see him through the door. I see. But uh, he is now outside of the building at this point, and it'd be it'd be quite the long shot with your scatter gun. There there are people there. They're currently running towards the bar, trying to congregate away from the flames at this point because they don't want to rush out of the building for fear of being shot. So at this point. They're, they're just kind of running out of options. And so you see people are starting to flood in behind the bar or nearby it, also kind of obscuring your view of everything that's going around on around you. Right. Um, where is the, uh, let's see, so I'm, I'm behind the bar. How, how far away would it be um, for me to try and run for one of the windows? Because running directly at the door is just asking to get hit. 25 feet, 25 give feet. or take. 25 feet. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna... Uh, I, now, in order to do that, though, because you'd be having to move the way the crow flies, I am gonna make you do an athletics check so that you can get over um, one of the tables or something that's gonna be in your way, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, yes, I will. I'll definitely run for the window, trying to dodge a table, um, and I'll make an athletics check for you right now. 17 in total. Okay, yeah, so you start running, you leap up into the air, plant one foot down onto the table, and basically just in stride, just vault this table with no effort whatsoever. Are you going out the same window that Limpy went out? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you won't have to contend with any, uh, with any glass, but I do need you to make another, uh, I do need you to make an, another um, athletics or acrobatics to get out of the window. That's a uh, 16. Yes. So uh, so you burst out the window and you can already see that there are horses just milling about with riders on top of them. They're just kind of cantering back and forth. None of the riders have uh, torches in their hands anymore, but they are all carrying scatter guns. And basically it looks like they're just waiting for people to uh, to exit the building. So why don't you go ahead and roll me a stealth check? Can I see, do these men have the same red sashes as they do, Joe yes. Moore and them? Yep. All right. You said stealth? Yep. Yeah, because you're, you're basically, you landed kind of hard. So, you know, they, they, they have a little bit of a bonus to notice you. But they're kind of distracted with keeping their eyes on that front door. So I will give you a chance to not get noticed. Ooh, 15 in total. You hear one of them yell, Hey, they're trying to get out the windows! And uh, you hear one gunshot go off and you see the dirt explode uh, right next to your body. Um, but uh, it doesn't seem like everybody else is ready to react yet. That's going to bring us to Joe Moore, 
who is going to do some things that you can't see. Brings us to Limpy, also going to do some things that you can't see. Um, why don't you make me a perception check, please, Igmet? Okay. Five. So you hear the sound of, of some liquid being splashed around, but beyond that, you know, you can't really tell what's going on over the sound of people screaming in the horse hooves and and gunshots and just just all of the cacophony that's going on right now. So, Igmud, it is your turn. What would you like to do? It looks like one of the riders on horseback is locked eyes with you and he's got his uh, rifle trained, uh, getting ready for another shot, but it doesn't seem like everybody else has been alerted to your presence yet. All right, so I'm out the window. Um, is there any kind of cover near me, like any any like barrels or anything by the side of the building, or? Yeah, there's a big there's a big old pine tree, um, maybe 15 feet, basically straight in front of you. There's uh, there's an outhouse back to your right, maybe 25 feet or so. And then there, there are a few uh, rain gutter barrels. There's one at either corner of this building, and those are about 25 feet away from you as well. I'm going to make a run for the pine tree. Okay. Would you like an acrobatics or athletics check? I don't need anything. You're, uh, you're just running across flat ground right now. So. Um, okay. When, but when you do get uh, behind this tree, you, you peer over quickly before uh you you know kind of put your back into cover and you have a bit of a better angle now and you can see what's going on in the front and joe moore has a a tin canister of something like a large um metal colored uh canister and he's splashing it on the front of this building oh that bastard um and there are there are about uh you would say that there's maybe a dozen folks including limpy and joe moore well i i have to get their attention and, and hopefully distract them from setting the place on fire with what i can only assume is kerosene in that tin can do i have my bow on me you do i do never leave home without it <laughs> i think i'm gonna uh i gotta get my d10s out let's see the only ones i didn't get out I think I'm going to try and um, distract them with uh, a couple pot shots. Well, uh, with a pot shot, excuse me, uh, at them. Um, Who are you shooting at? I'm going to shoot at Limpy, and um, I will roll. Now, I would like to mention uh -huh. that there is one guy on a horseback that like has been following you with his rifle, and he it is. seems like everybody else is kind of distracted. They are okay. So he, he knows I'm behind the tree. Um, yeah, he followed you with his eyes the entire way. Like he seems to be the only one that is directly aware that you are outside of the building at this point. I think I'm gonna try and shoot him because even shooting him will create some chaos and hopefully distract Joe Moore. It sure would. Um, all right, then I will. I'll roll my attack right now. Go ahead. Jesus, mercy, Ernie Christ. Oh. What'd you get? That's a total of, uh, I got a two, so nine. Total of nine. <laughs> so you, you steady yourself up against the, up against the side of this pine tree, and you pull out your bow, you draw it back, and you were just moving a little bit too quickly trying to pull your bow out and also trying to get back into cover. 
and you catch your string on the bark of this tree just mm. just ever so slightly and it throws the it throws <laughs> this arrow off just a little bit and it whizzes right past right past this dude oh. but you notice though that as this arrow uh you know careens in between um a bunch of these riders on horseback mm. Joe Moore and a bunch of the banditos are now looking your direction and uh okay you see uh <laughs> like basically right as you put your back up against the tree I'm just going to roll and see if somebody does hit you before you put it there so you get your back up against the tree and you can feel the tree vibrate with all of the gunshots that that are put into it uh within a second um just just shrapnel and and wood just flying everywhere your your ears are ringing from the noise Things are just getting a little bit more than uh, maybe you bargained for. <laughs> Stopping for the night just to just to play some cards and get some rest. Um, if I yelled at Joe Moore, would he be able to hear me, or or would just the gun gunshots just be too loud? Why don't you go ahead and try, Joe Moore? Joe Moore, you yellow-bellied son of a bitch! I'm calling you out! I yell from behind the pine tree. Well, I'll tell you what, good sir. <laughs> You are quite the funny chap. You want to call me out when I have a clear advantage. <laughs> You're gunning down women and burning up the goddamn town. I might just be a half-orc, but I know honor better than you do. I do believe you do, good sir. I do believe you do. He kind of laughs a little bit and uh, he starts to move kind of over uh, towards the building a little bit. And you peek your head out just for a second and he must know exactly where you are at this point now because he's put himself into a position where you can no longer, where your line of sight is just completely gone. And so the only people that you can see right now are the banditos. Well... Uh, oh, and Limpy, you could shoot Limpy, I suppose. I could shoot Limpy. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and and shoot at Limpy again and see what happens. Okay. With my bow. So that's eleven in total. No. No. You you shoot wide again. Yeah, you're, you're basic. So basically, you're just trying to get arrows into the air and and keep them distracted. And while you're doing a great job of doing those first two things. You're just you're just shooting way too fast and not focusing enough on what you're doing and I'm definitely rattled. And so yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um you do however notice though that a few a few people are starting to crawl out the back window of this building and they're starting to make their way uh uh, -huh. uh it's a couple of women first. Uh they're in what used to be moderately fancy dresses. I mean, something that you probably would only wear for a night on the town every once in a while type of thing. And, you know, they're all torn and dirty and covered with gore at this point. But, uh, and the, these women are both sprinting off uh, back into the woods and uh, they're not gone from sight yet. But you do think that the line of sight by the time... Uh, the banditos would be able to see them should be gone and so they shouldn't be able to take any pot shots with any rifles or anything like that just because it should be too far of a distance mm -hmm. and so you actually think that while not as effective as maybe you want your plan to be it seems to be working so i can see limpy 
I I can see some of the other banditos, but I can't see Joe Moore. Correct. I'm going um, to uh, I'm going to take some shots at you real quick. Okay. All right. So you you again you see these uh, these horses with the banditos on on their backs. They're cantering in small circles, basically around each other, and you know just trying to take their turns getting line of sight to take shots at you and stuff and one of them one of them clips you on your leg it was just barely uh sticking out and you take another uh five points of piercing damage as it rips through your calf a little bit and you immediately pull that behind the the pine tree a little bit better and then you hear a loud explosion not like a gunshot explosion but like an explosion explosion okay uh like possibly dynamite, um, something like that. You don't think that it was loud enough to be dynamite because you didn't feel. You also didn't feel an aftershock, so you don't think it was dynamite. But something definitely exploded, and it's your turn, so you can take a peek out if you want. Yes, I, I'd like to take a peek and um, I guess maybe make a perception check. Yeah, go ahead. Wow, these rolls tonight—that's a total of four. <laughs> Okay, so the only thing that you can see is one of the banditos is staring at stumps where his hands used to be, and he's just, ah! Ah! and blood is just kind of squirting from, from the end of these stumps, and you can see that, uh, that there's shrapnel in his horse and that the, that the hair on the mane of his horse is singed. And he's bleeding from other parts of his chest as well. And uh, there's, there's the, uh, the walnut stock of a rifle um, that's very charred and mangled um, laying down on the ground next to the horse. You assume that his rifle must have exploded. Oh, wow. All right. Um... I rolled a natural one and then another natural one to confirm it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, his rifle blows up. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, what a, what awful, <laughs> awful occurrence. Um, <laughs> is it, is it still my turn? It is your turn, yes. Oh no, I well, I peeked. Um, well, no, you could take a shot or something if you want. I don't recommend moving though, unless it's to new cover. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try yelling out again. Joe Moore, Joe Moore, you come out on, out here. Now, Mr. Orc, I've grown incredibly weary of this exchange. I do believe me and my friends are... Well, we're going to hit the old dusty trail, as the adage goes. <laughs> well, why are you burning up the, the saloon? You, you ain't going to get anything from it. Let me tell you something about the world, Mr. Orc. You denied me of something that I wanted, and if I can't have it, I don't feel too kindly about others having it either. While you're having this exchange, you can you see um, a few more people slip out the back window, and so and then you see the the bartender, you see the bartender's uh, one-eyed face uh, peek out, and he kind of makes a motion with his hands like uh, like the talking motion at you. I'm I'm gonna keep him keep him jabbering. I mean, a man that dresses like that out in the west. He's got an ego that that might occupy him. <laughs> Joe Moore, Joe Moore, where are you from? I'm from Albion, my good sir. Never heard of it. What brings you out here? 
Besides picking on women and old men. Mostly just that, actually. <laughs> Finding people weaker than me and no one to protect them is quite a, quite a lucrative racket, if I do say so myself. I'm sure your ma is quite proud. As, as this is happening, you see, uh, you see Ansel is being lowered to the ground. There's a, there's a large man who you recognize to be the barback. He, uh, he brought in a couple of barrels of ale uh, over the course of a few times that you've been here and stuff. You don't know his name, but you definitely recognize him. And he's currently receiving Ansel's uh, broken form from the bartender um, out the back window. And you assume, and he, he's lowering he's lowering Ansel's broken form to the ground. And uh, the barback looks at you and holds up one finger and mouths the word more at you. Now listen here, good sir, what is your name? My name's Igmet. Now, you seem like an industrious sort. I'll make you a deal. What kind of deal? Are you, are you interested in terms? I'll hear them. You come out, surrender yourself, and I will have my men start a bucket, bucket brigade this very instant. And what would make me believe a son of a bitch like you? Now, Igmet, this is the first intelligent thing that you've said all evening. <laughs> Nothing, good sir. Nothing at all. There's a chance I could shoot you in your face and move on to the rest of them. What will it be? All right, all right, I'll come out. I'll come out. Um... Right as you agree, you see um, one last woman uh, make her way out the back window and the Cyclopean bartender uh, <laughs> is lowering himself onto the ground. Okay. And he, uh, he gives you the okay sign. I take just half of a step in front of the tree, but then pull myself back, just, just to tease him, just to, just to see if I can gauge a reaction. As soon as, your, as soon as your body steps out a little bit, you hear hammers go back and gunshots erupt. And you're so glad that that was, uh, that that was your plan, because... Clearly, he had no intentions of honoring your deal. So they're firing at me. Like, at least five or ten gunshots <laughs> go off. It's hard to tell, uh, though, because they go off in such rapid succession, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I, I stay firmly behind the tree and um, see if the gunshots will, will let up a moment. Um, so just stay in place for now. Yeah, yeah they, shoot, uh, they shoot a few times. And then you start to hear the familiar sound of, of that, that consecutive clicking of somebody reloading the, uh, reloading the choke to their rifles, right? Choke? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or is it an internal mag? Uh, no, no it, would be, it would be the choke. On a yeah. lever action, it's a choke. You're right. It's choke. But yeah, you hear the familiar clicking, consecutive clicking sound okay. of, uh, of loading more rounds um, into the choke of their rifles. Joe Moore. Are you out there? You hear nothing in response. Come on now. Make me a perception check. Okay. 14. You can faintly hear um, the sound of a horse uh, whinnying as, uh, like, the familiar sound of a horse being spurred on at, uh, at a very fast pace. It still must be relatively close for you to have heard it over the over the rest of the cacophony because this fire is roaring right now like everything is crackling i mean 
this bar was going to go down with a bucket brigade or not. Right. Because um, once that kerosene went up, which, by the way, you were spot on. Because mm. once that kerosene went up, it was pretty much over. I'm going to pull out my, my scatter gun. Um, just keep it at the ready. Um, but I'm not going to fire this turn. Do you want to hold your action so if anybody is like, like if anybody gets within a certain amount of distance to you or something, you'll shoot them or whatever? Yes. If, if yes. Um, okay. So give me, give me the exact wording that you want to use then. Um, so like here, let me give you an example. If, if anybody gets into my line of sight, I shoot them. If anyone gets within 10 feet of me, I shoot them. You know what I mean? Something like yes. that. Yes. If they if they break my my line of sight, you know, I'm behind the tree. If if someone um, you know comes past, so I can see them, I'll shoot at them. Okay. So you. I don't know. Maybe that's too obscure. No, that's perfect. Basically, what you're saying is, is if anybody's going to get into a position where you no longer have cover, you want to shoot them. That's perfect. Um, that's what you're trying to tell me, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I, I completely understand. Okay, so you hear a couple of the horses spur off and start to clap away. Um, but you also, you hear somebody go, which side should we take? I mean, I don't know. Which side do you want to take? I mean, I don't know. And then you start to hear um, the sound of, uh, of a slow canter, but it's on grass, so it's very, very light. But you can definitely tell that two horses are, are coming towards you. So you can, which one do you want to shoot, right or left? Um, left. Okay. So you can shoot first. Wow. I got a four and a three. Add that to my scattergun attack. Yep. So 11. Yeah, you um, you are super rattled tonight, Igmet. Uh, your adrenaline is taking over when it comes to uh, anything that doesn't take like intense focus. But fine motor skills right now are just not your strong suit, because you level, you level your scatter gun and you pull the trigger and just the the kick of of the and just the kick of the scatter gun launches the barrel just up a little bit higher and you you can tell immediately when you see the pine needles start to rattle from the bbs starting to uh starting to push through them that you missed wide and they both shoot at you oh well that's interesting let's roll another oh so here's what's going to happen <laughs> so i rolled a 17 um, with the first shot, and obviously with his bonuses, that's gonna hit you. But then I rolled a natural one, and then I rolled a three after that. So here's what's going to happen. So Igmet, you have, so you have this, uh, you have one of the rifle rounds. It just, like he basically presses it directly into your shoulder blade and pulls the trigger. And it creates a very clean wound that doesn't really like blow out your entire shoulder, but it's a ton of pain and you take 10 points of piercing damage. However, after that happens, you kind of double over from the pain, and the rider on the other side of you pulls the trigger right as you lower down, and he shoots his partner. Oh no. And he shoots his partner <laughs> for 15 points of damage. Um, and so, 
you 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 hear the sound of a bullet whiz over your back as it connects and you feel the warm sensation of liquid start to pour over your body um and you don't see him fall off of his horse or anything but he looked very wounded as he has a large wound on his uh stomach now and it is your turn sir what would you like to do how far away is the wounded one from me um would you say they're both within 10 feet of you so 10 feet on either side um okay i don't know if i can do this but I'm going to shoot an idea and see if it works. I'm going to uh, draw my tomahawk and um, try and uh, hit the wounded one with it. And if I can, in the same motion, get as close to his horse as possible. Wesley, if you would like, I if you roll high enough, I'll let you swing up onto the horse. Okay. All right. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, so what I'm going to have you do first then is let's have you do your attack to see if you can damage him enough to kill him or even knock him off. Oh, Ernie Christ, be with me. Thank you, Lord. 23. That's a hit. Go ahead and roll damage. Twenty. uh, 25. Holy shit. And then make me an athletics check. Yep. 16. You drop your scattergun to the ground and pull out your tomahawk and you level it with a double-handed swing that connects directly with this stomach wound that was just caused by this bandito's partner. And the momentum from the swing carries the bandito out of the saddle and onto the ground where he crumples in a ball of gore. And then you grab onto the pommel of the saddle and wrench yourself up onto it. It's not the prettiest uh, and most athletic thing that you've done all evening, but you're up in the saddle and ready to uh, and ready to ride, uh, as it were. And so uh, that's going to bring us to the other bandito, who is going to try and take another shot at you. Uh, does a 16 hit your armor class? I think it's uh, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm 15. Yep. Okay. Oh, well, that's a really low uh, damage one anyway. So you're going to take eight points of piercing damage as uh, as you just kind of get grazed in the same shoulder that uh, you got shot through by the other guy. Okay. And it is your turn, sir. He is, he is on top of his horse, maybe 10 feet away from you. His horse, he's currently like squeezing his legs in ways, trying to keep the horse calm. But it's doing that uh, that motion where it's kind of clopping its hooves nervously. So yeah, what would you like to do? Um, I, I just, I kick that horse in the side as hard as I can and try and get out of there. Um, uh, you know, turning away from the, uh, saloon and the, the tavern, um, and, uh, riding as fast as I can. Give me an animal handling check, please. Or all right, so you spur your horse on and it immediately whinnies and nickers under your body and starts sprinting off at a full gallop away from this gentleman. Let me make him one. <clears throat> you kind of peer over your shoulder after maybe six to 10 seconds of riding hard away from this guy. And you look back and it does not appear as though he has any desire to follow you any further. And so if it's all right with you, I was going to take it to narrative and bring us to where I wanted to be when we close it. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay, cool. So you push this horse hard through the night, um, galloping most of the most of the morning as well. About midday, you can see over the 
over the harsh desert landscape. You know, you've gotten out of the mountains and stuff and you can see Fillmore's Crossing in the distance. And all you can think about is Andrea and the Crossing House and how it's actually a place that you can get some goddamn rest or Ernie damned rest, I should say. And so uh, it's, it's definitely a welcome sight even though you know that they're dealing with their fair share of problems right now. And so you you slow, do you want to slow your horse down or do you want to keep uh, pushing it until you get into town? Oh no, I'm gonna push it all the way, all the way into town. All right, so you, you pull up to the crossing house and as you're trying to hitch up this horse, it collapses. Like you can't even get it to the trough. Like it just collapses and you would you would have to bring it water and food at this point. Like it does not seem as though it can run or walk any longer at this point at all. You know, it, it literally just kept do it kept going under fear of your spurs and that's about it. Well, thank you, fella. I needed to get out of there. And, um, I just let the horse lay down and uh, as soon as I can I'll I'll get it some attention. Okay. You walk into the crossing house and you you can see that there are some miners in the corner uh, drinking, which is pretty common. Normally after shift change, there are people drinking in the crossing house uh, the majority of the day and most of the evening as well. Um, the man in black who you've seen playing his guitar here on a multitude of occasions is sitting on a small raised dais uh, playing a slow guitar humming to himself and Andrea looks across the bar her uh, wide smile uh, greeting you and she says well damn Igmit you look like shit I feel like it too Miss Andrea can I interest you in a um and she says can I get you a drink yeah I'd, I'd like that um, and I, I sit down at the bar all right and she pours you up a drink and says well it's on me if you're gonna tell me your tale all right but uh I hope you don't mind some cussing, ma'am. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to this month's Farport story? Yeah, that's the way that we're calling them now. I'm gonna probably redo this outro, so we could just uh, we could just stop recording and call it good. I just think that's a, that's a great way to end it, is so long as you don't mind some cussing.